Welcome to Parkview. So glad you can be here today, and I hope that you're excited to kick off a new year. Uh, you had a chance to see some of the ministries that are happening in Parkview and around Parkview or with Parkview people, and we're just so thankful, and what a chance to give praise to our God. It's fun to get to two services together, and perhaps some of you were looking forward to seeing our East Campus people as well, and we made a decision this year to keep East Campus at East Campus for this kickoff day, so be praying for them as they're having theirs right now as well. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here, and I hope to get an opportunity to meet you if I haven't. And uh, you know what? There's a lot of people here today. And again, so as we interact, it's okay to look at name tags, and uh, we have to be willing to forgive each other. If we've already met or something, we get reintroduced, that's okay. And we hope, uh, hope we can meet some new people as well to, uh, the, during this time. It's an exciting time of year in Iowa City. We've got people returning from their vacations, getting ready for the school years. Kids are preparing for the next grade, getting their new school clothes or whatever, and all their materials. Students are arriving and have arrived and are settling in here downtown. If you've been downtown in the last couple of days, it's pretty active down there. Life has come back to the downtown. Teachers and professors and faculty are gearing up and getting ready. Here at Parkview, we're ready to relaunch our various ministries, and we're excited about that. Next Sunday, we will begin our new series in the Gospel of Luke. So please join us for that as we learn more about our Savior. It's certainly a season of change, and some of us like change more than others. Some are a little bit change-resistant, but it happens nonetheless, doesn't it? This morning, I will suggest to you that we must press on in our disciple-making mission, remembering the great commission and great commandment of Jesus Christ. As a child, I always enjoyed when my relatives from rural Nebraska would become nostalgic and begin to talk about what life was like way back when. The experiences that they had growing up or the ones that they even heard from their parents. For me, it was fascinating to hear how things had changed and to see how different life was. For them, it was going to school in that one-room schoolhouse that they walked uphill both ways, you know, in the snow. Uh, I've been there. It's all flat. They didn't walk uphill anywhere. But anyway, they, they would have you believe that telling stories of going down to the frozen creek bed behind the farm to chip ice out so they could bring it into the icebox and keep the food cool, lighting the Christmas tree with actual candles and trying not to burn the house down. The story of the one son and three sisters and their mom doing the work of the farm because their dad had left to seek a better life, only to never return. Life was a struggle. Things were hard. They didn't have, couldn't afford new shoes, and they would cut cardboard and put cardboard into the shoes to patch the holes to keep the snow and ice and rocks out. Sometimes I sensed and even detected in their voices a, a pain and maybe a desire to not go too much deeper into that and, and to focus in on the here and now. It's interesting to hear those stories, to hear the history. Over the past few months, for me, it's been fascinating to hear all the stories of Parkview Church. Uh, some are, are just interesting, fascinating to listen to, uh, amazing stories of God's powerful hand at work, some unique, some a little bit painful. 
incredible ministries, whether it was to college students or uh, amazing programming or global workers sent out around the world or strategic ministry decisions and launching of extra ministries like, like the Spot or Faith Academy or, or the East Campus and then acquiring the North Campus, China Student Exchange, Ukraine short-term ministries with, with a Fellowship of Christian Athletes, hosting a Chinese church here in our chapel every Sunday afternoon, ESL programs, more recently No Limits, the tutoring program for after school, individuals ministering in incredible ways that even aren't directly connected, whether it's going into care facilities and, and preaching the gospel and loving those people, camp ministries, kids coming to Christ. As I thought about this, and I thought about this Sunday, uh, Philippians 3 came to mind. And, and you kind of get a little bit of the personal testimony of Paul here in Philippians 3, uh, focusing in on, on 12 through 16. We, we read these words. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because tr- Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have already made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we pause now to, just to commit this time to you, and Lord, you've, you've heard our praises, and Lord, we just honor you. Lord, we live in a world where uh, so many things are exalted or seem, seen as important or, or lifted high, but we recognize that you are God and there is no other, and you are deserving of our praise. So Lord, receive it. Father, as we consider this launching of of a new season, we just commit it to you. And and as we look back, we give you thanks for all that you've done, for all the changed hearts and lives. God, your fingerprints have been all over the ministries here, and we just give you praise. Father, we thank you for every changed heart, every changed life, every uh, presentation of the gospel, whatever it is, Lord, it's all you. And we give you thanks. Father, as we turn and look forward, we ask that you would just be in our midst, that you would be our guide, that we would be sensitive to your leading, and Father, that you would help us move forward in making of disciples and honoring you in that way. Father, we pray for our East Campus, and we ask your blessing upon their service right now as well. Lord, would you be in their midst and move mightily. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. If you're a guest here with us today, it's not our custom to do these standalone messages. We normally will pick a book of the Bible and we will work our way through it. However, this morning I've chosen uh, this passage from Philippians 3 to sort of get us started. And we're not going to do a deep dive into it, but I still want to give you a little bit of context just so we have some understanding of what is being referenced here before we move on to other sections of Scripture. Paul seemed to be quite fond of the church there. And In chapter 4, verse 1, he actually calls them his joy and crown. 
And no doubt these words were written as he remembered with joy all that he'd experienced there. And we know that from, from Acts chapter 16. And it wasn't that long ago when as a church we were going through that. And remember that wonderful woman, Lydia, who was a, a, a seller of purple goods. She, she came to faith in Christ and her family did also. And, and she made an impact and the church was hosted in her home. And then if you remember, there was a slave girl who was a prophetess who was making money for her owners. And finally, uh, by the power of Christ, Paul just set her free from that. But that caused some, some stir there. And Paul and Silas were imprisoned. They were beaten and stripped and, and put in jail only to be miraculously set free as they prayed and sang praise. And we know that that led to the jailer and his family coming to faith. Paul would have a total of three visits there in Philippi, and we can understand why he would be fond of this local church. He had wonderful memories of what God had done there and of their faith. But now he writes to them from prison, most likely from a Roman prison. In this third chapter of Philippians, we see Paul, this experienced servant of the Lord, who had seen so much and done so much for the Lord, we, we get to see his perspective, how he values the past, but also his priority for the future. Earlier in that chapter, he, he's really saying, I have so much in Christ. He's kind of talking about his resume a little bit. He's going, I, I've got all this and I've got all this, and he's comparing it to other things. But ultimately, he, he, he's just saying, I have a, a things that I could be proud of. And as he goes through the list, he, he really just stops and he says, I consider it all trash, all rubbish in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. What an amazing statement. All that, all that everybody else would value, all that everybody else would exalt. He's saying, yeah, I've had all that and that's all true to me, but in, in reality, in comparison to Christ, it's nothing. I desire to gain Christ and be found in Him. But, but he seems to be saying here, what, what matters most is what is still to come. I press on, desiring to embrace this, to, to make my own. Because Christ has made me his own. If you're here today and you already know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, can I just stop and, and help you hear the statement Christ Jesus has made you his own. I hope that means everything to you. Maybe say it to yourself, just Christ Jesus has made me his own. Let that encourage you and that wonderful truth just lift you up because I believe it's what was driving Paul. The earlier part of this chapter allows us insight into what Paul was striving after. It's this idea of, of, of to know him and the power of his resurrection to share in his sufferings, becoming like him even in his death. Here the great Apostle Paul of all people is saying, listen, I'm not there yet in my faith, but I press on to know even more this Jesus who has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, if the Apostle Paul is saying this, I think this should remind us that we all have to press on in our faith. Look at those verses 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing I do, he says. How's that for perspective? How's that for focus? It would seem that he's expressing, this is my greatest priority, and it's really this one thing, but it's in two parts, isn't it? Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, pressing on to what lies ahead. We get the picture of a runner who's leaning forward to maximize his or her speed, right? Leaning into the run. And Paul's writing here is a a bit unique in some respects because why why is he writing to them what's a priority for him? He's writing to the church. He's saying, I press on. I strain forward. And and why is he doing that? I think he answers it later when he says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. In other words, he's saying, if you're following me or if you look up to me, I want you to know that all the stuff that's behind is behind. And now I'm straining forward. I'm pressing on to what lies ahead. That I may grow in my understanding of God, that I might be even deeper into Jesus. He's telling them what he prioritizes because they also need to follow that example. No matter what is behind us, we must look forward and press on. As Pastor Thomas stated earlier, Parkview Church, we exist to glorify God through the whole church, forming whole disciples of Jesus Christ for the good of all people. That's our mission, and it's important to understand that we define a whole disciple as a forgiven child of God who is taking the next steps to learn Jesus, to love Jesus, and to live Jesus. I want you to understand sort of a progression that that is within that. There's this idea of learning Jesus. There's this head knowledge part of this. And and that that helps us to love Jesus. It's going to the heart. And, And as we love Jesus, it must move to the hands. We must live it out. And ironically, it works the other way too. As we live it, we grow and it it helps us increase in our knowledge. But it's this understanding that our, our faith is not to be static. A disciple is one who is taking that next step, who's pressing on, leaning into what is ahead. For us as a church to to press on toward the goal and to achieve our mission, I want to tell you I believe we must keep in mind the great commandment and great commission we have received from Jesus Christ. In Matthew 22, the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to find fault with Jesus, remember? So one of them, an expert in the law, presents Jesus with a question. Look with me at verse 36 of Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus answered simply, referencing the Shema from Deuteronomy 6, and it's this idea of love God with every fiber of your being. 
That's what's important. If Jesus is telling you what to do, he's saying, love God. With all of you. He says, and by the way, also love your neighbor as yourself. We believe that we, we grow in our knowledge of Christ and, and of the Word and of God by working together and being together. And, and part of that is this idea of, of how we treat our neighbors. To do this well, we want to emphasize ministry both to family and to friends. And by family, we mean not only to the family unit, but that's important, and that, that includes the ministries that we have, coming together to learn to love God together. That's why we have the ministries we do, the nursery and, and the various classes for children, Awana, uh, uh, you know, youth ministry, counseling needs, adult classes. You know, we want it to be comprehensive. We want to add that to our second service as well. We want families that can connect with other families through community groups and, and, and grow together. We want to have our older people who have experienced more of life mentoring the younger families who are going, how do I do this? How do I raise these kids? But not just the family unit, but the church family as well. As a pastor, I love hearing, hearing people say that Parkview Church is my family. I love it. Because it's so biblical. It's their family. Just four weeks ago, a young father approached me and he said, I'm sad to say it's our last Sunday here. My one-year program has just ended. And my wife and I and our kids will be moving. But this year here has blessed us so much. We wish we could take Parkview Church with us. This is our family. That's what we want to hear. Just a couple weeks ago, we received an e email, our staff did, just thanking us, another family moving away, and how much Parkview Church had meant to them, and, and thank you for investing in our kids and, and blessing us as a family. It's a church family. We do it together. What a wonderful picture. A family of brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're with us for the first time today, it is our desire that you feel welcomed and we would love the opportunity to, to become family to you. Please allow us that. Even if it's only for a season, let us be a blessing to you. Why? I'm going to take you more words of Jesus. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is saying that people will be able to identify you as his disciples by watching and observing how you interact with each other, with other believers. Your interaction within a, a church community and, and a community of faith, how you treat one another, is an identification of you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. The words of Jesus. So it matters. It matters that somebody moving away would say, this is painful, it's like leaving family. In my superintending role, I oversee some churches in western Illinois. 
I've done it for about 10 years, and over those years, there's been those occasions where I've had to go and meet with churches that are splitting or they're fighting. And I want you to know it's heartbreaking. And who knows what it's over, something silly or something major, but people that were to be kind to each other are now being malicious, even slanderous. Accusations flying. And I'm thinking, where's the testimony of Christ here? How would I know you're a disciple of Christ? On the other side of it, I've seen different things. And, and just this past Wednesday night, I was in one of those churches, and they were seeking some guidance for some things. And within just a few minutes, I met with about eight of them. Within just a few minutes, it was obvious to me that they loved and cared for one another. It was so cool. And, and by the time I was with them for about 15 minutes or so, I felt like I'd known them forever and like I was part of that family. There, there was this just understanding that they care about the gospel here and, and that they wanted to truly love and care for each other. That's the way it's supposed to be. Love one another. And then he said something, Jesus said something interesting. He says, love one another just as I have loved you. Well, we've got to stop and say, how had he loved them at that point? He'd welcomed them. He'd, he'd called them into close relationship with them. He called them disciples. And just before that, he'd humbled himself as a servant and washed their feet. In, in that culture, that was unheard of. It, you, that was something a, a lowly servant would do. And here's the, the, the one that they're being discipled by, their rabbi, and he's getting down and washing their feet. And, and as he's working his way around the room, they come to Peter. Remember Peter's response? He's like, Lord, no way, no way are you going to do that for me. And he says, and he says to Peter, if, if I don't do this, you don't have any part in me. And then Peter says, well, wash all of me then. And Jesus is like, don't get carried away. You know, but he was modeling hum, hum, humble service, humility. That's how he had loved them. But then I want you to think of how he would show his love for them. Because he would allow himself to be treated as a criminal, although he had done no wrong, committed no sins. He would allow himself to be mocked and stripped and beaten and nailed to a tree. And even there, dying with his blood pouring out, would say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had said, greater love has none than this, than one would lay down his life for his friends. He would lay his life down for them. And we know that the greater purpose, that death and that resurrection brought new life to sinners, didn't it? it? It purchased our redemption by faith. That's what he would do for them. So it's a huge ask when he's saying to love each other as I have loved you. It's wholehearted, it's, it's humble, it's sacrificial love for one another. And when a local church gets this, it's, it's incredible. And some of you here have told me stories already. You've been here long enough and you've experienced it. You've experienced those times when, when your church family is there for you in these joyous moments and you celebrate together. And it's, it's a victory for everybody. 
And you also have, have shared those moments where somebody's going through the worst of times and, and you go there and you weep together because you are brothers and sisters in Christ and you love each other so dearly that to see someone else in pain brings you pain because they are your brother, they are your sister in Christ. And I suggest to you it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's what the church is to be. My brother and his wife just left the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida to return to their home in North Carolina. As they arrived home, they were overwhelmed by just being able to be home. But secondly, they noticed there were more flowers. They noticed the the yard was perfectly manicured. They noticed that a gar the garage had been repaired from where a tree had fallen on it. They went inside, noticed that the whole place was cleaned perfectly. The refriger refrigerator was stocked and the cupboards were full. And this was their church family just saying, we love you. It's a picture of what church family is like. Loving God with all of our being and, and loving one another as ourselves. It is our prayer here at Parkview that no matter how long you are with us, you will have a positive family experience and you will come to know Jesus more as a result of your time with us. So Parkview, we press on, we strain forward, fulfilling that great commandment to know God, to love him with every fiber of our being and to love our neighbor as ourself so that the watching world will notice, which brings us to our commission. Matthew 28, the last two verses of, of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 18 through 20, or the last three says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We press on to glorify God through the whole church, forming whole disciples of Jesus Christ for the good of all people. Why? Because Jesus has commissioned us to do so. This is where we can't just be content with caring for families and for our church family. We can't be just content with what we know and the fact that we're in and all is good. We're to be inviting friends to know Jesus as well. We're to be making friends who need to know Jesus. As believers in Jesus who know that wonderful, life-changing, eternal life-changing news of Jesus, we must not be selfish. We can't just let it be about ourselves. Several years ago, my wife and I were blessed with a gift to go on a vacation to Mexico. When we arrived at the airport, we took this long shuttle ride and, and we arrived at this resort on, on a beach. As you open the gate and go in, you just notice everything is just beautiful. It's green, there's flowers, there's large reptilian critters that are a little bit frightening. Uh, all the staff are wearing nice uniforms. The room was amazing. And then the food was incredible. Just 
you could go here and eat, or you could go there and eat, and, it, and, and desserts, and it was just over the top. We, we were enjoying it, no question about it. Our third day there, we actually left to go on a short excursion, and, and something changed for me that day, because as we got in the vehicle and as we exited this resort, and the gate went up and we went out, the contrast to me was so huge, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. We just left the, this green, lush environment where everything is painted nice, and we went out, and immediately on the other side of the wall is a totally different world. There's no green grass, it's just dirt and, and trash in the street and poverty. Totally different world, just divided by this, this 12-foot wall. As we came back that night and, and as all this food is being put before us, there was just something in my soul that just wasn't okay with it anymore. Just the, the food that I wasn't even going to finish because there was so much of it. And I was just thinking that just on the other side of this wall is poverty, people struggling. And that's, that's a major social issue, right? But how much do we maybe need to look at our faith like that? If you're here and you know Jesus Christ and your eternity is secure, you have no worries about that at all. I want to encourage you to not let the church become some place where you just let the walls be around you and let the world be the world while you have all the good news on the inside. There are people in our world who are in desperate need of the good news of Jesus Christ, and, and some of them don't even know it. They don't realize how impoverished of truth they are. And yet we have more truth than we can handle. Why would we withhold it from a desperate world? He continues baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. This morning, right now, as I speak at East Campus, Five of the students, I think there were seven students that gave their lives to Christ at camp this, this summer. Five of them are being baptized this morning as we speak. Praise God. Make disciples, baptizing them and, and, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. We just talked about what was commanded. Teaching them what it means to know Jesus, to learn, to love, and to live Jesus. Walking them along in your faith. And the good news is, Jesus says, and I'm going to be with you in all of this. We don't do anything apart from the power of God. We just serve, but it has to be the Holy Spirit that makes the difference, that makes the changes in the lives. I love what Pastor Doug shared last week. I want to repeat it to you. Let the reality of the gospel make a real difference in how you live so that you can really make an impact on the world around you. Let the reality of the gospel make a real difference in you so that you can really make an impact on the world around you. What impact does the gospel have upon you and on your life and how you live? We are deployed on a mission with the gospel of Jesus Christ as our banner and our power. 
If you're here this morning and you're unfamiliar with some of what I'm saying, if you're an unbeliever, you're not at a place where you've given your life to Jesus Christ, can I ask you to just join us as we go through the Gospel of Luke? Can I ask you to take a look at this Savior of whom we speak? I want to tell you there's no greater discovery you can make. I'd love to talk with you even after the service today. You can find one of our elders. They're all wearing matching gray shirts. You can grab one of them today or one of our staff. I think they're wearing green Parkview shirts or, or whoever invited you. We'd love to talk to you about it. New believer, if you're new in your faith and this is all kind of new, come and grow with us. Let us help you in your walk with God. Let us, let us help you come to understand what it means to learn Jesus and to love him and to live Jesus. If you're a seasoned believer, I'm not calling you old. Some of you have known Jesus a long time, but you're not old. Can I ask you to lead the way? Set the example. Part of the reason we've been pushing Bless Every Home to get on that website is we want you praying for your neighbors. We want you thinking about those who are across the street. There's so many ways to get involved. Right now, especially, there are international students that you can befriend, and that means you'll just help them with certain things, and that means you invite, your, invite them into your home on occasion for holidays or things like that. Just be a blessing to them. Coworkers and fellow, maybe students, neighbors, share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you a question now, Parkview. Would you join in as we glorify God through the whole church forming whole disciples of Jesus Christ for the good of all people? Would you do it? A simple way to start would be, I encourage you to stay for lunch and interact with one another. Meet some new people today. Even reconnect, relearn a name. Again, it's okay. You get a free pass today if you get a name wrong, okay? It, we'll just, we're just going to say that. We're all going to be kind to each other. But connect, make new friends or reconnect. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, you are so good. And Father, as we consider the past, as we consider the legacy here at Parkview, God, we just stand in awe of what you have done over the decades of the lives who are changed, many of which are sitting here today. Father, we just thank you for that. We know it was you working in and through your faithful people. And God, we just give you praise. And Father, we remember that and we cherish that as a legacy. But now, Father, we realize that the task is not done. We can't just sit around being nostalgic. It's time to look forward. And Father, would you work mightily in our midst? May we be pe people who faithfully seek to know our Savior well, to, to understand the Word, to understand you, God. Father, would you allow us to be a loving family to one another? And may we be people who are friends of those who need to know our Savior. God, we just give you praise and we thank you, Jesus, for the salvation you offer. And we offer you praise, our King of Kings. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.